What's up, everybody? It's Free Association on Sportsnet.ca. Wherever it is that you're getting this podcast, I'm J.D. Bunkus. Sitting here with Purple People Eater, Donovan Bennett. What's up, my man? What's going on? This is a good one. I like this purple. This is like a really cool shirt. It's like it's like kind of a windbreaker, but also not a windbreaker. Like, is this a jacket or is this a shirt? It's a technical running shirt. Ah, technical running shirt. I would know nothing about that. I'm back into like the least amount of exercise mode. I'm actually proud of myself for walking up the subway stairs. Like, that's my thing right now. I'm like, I did that. I didn't take the escalator. I walked all the way up the subway stairs. Be proud of who I am. Baby steps. Yeah. I mean, they're the babiest of steps. I'm in my 30s now. Like, it's probably time to take more care of my health. The healthiest thing is the Raptors right now from a winning streak standpoint. Maybe not from a player personnel, but when it comes to the ego of the fan base, is this the healthiest it's ever been? Before I answer that, speaking of health, I heard a quote recently. I want to get it exactly right, but I think it was... Hold on, let me look it up. You are a good quote guy. I'll fill the airtime. It's not my quote, so I don't know how good of a quote guy I am. No, you're a good quote guy for knowing quotes. You wouldn't say that? You know who's the uh, ultimate quote guy? You weren't at the Conn Smythe dinner the other night. I was not. But Michael Pinball Clemens, you oh. need a guy to deliver a quote. I mean, he's the, he's the oh best. Oh, my guy. God. Dude. Yes, yes, yeah. We're at a dinner, and it's a charitable dinner where they're like trying to raise funds by invoking emotions of the audience. And I thought, if you ever need a speaker to bend the minds and hearts and get people to reach deep into their pocketbooks, pay whatever it is that it costs you to get Michael Pinball Clemens there. Because that by the end of it, had he been like, here's the thing, I need you to take this bag across the border and don't ask me any questions about it. I'd be like, whatever you want, Pinball. He's like, and also... I'm going to stab you in the leg real good. <laughs> like, whatever you say, pinball. I was hooked. So you have the quote ready? He's the best. Yeah. He um, really is. So James Clear, who is the author of Atomic Habit. Oh, I'm about to read that book. Okay. Well, this might be in the book. Wealth is a game that compounds. Health is a game that plateaus and then declines. As we age, we should spend more time staying fit and less time making money. Increasingly working to ward off the effects of aging and allowing the effects of compounding take over. Your money is going to grow for you if you're smart with it, but your health, if you don't take care of it, it's going to get worse. So you should invest all of the same energy, even more so, in making sure that your health is good and not as much that your bank account is good. So you're saying I shouldn't have just spent all of my Sunday hungover in bed eating Tostitos? I mean, I don't know how much... I have no idea about your finances. You're probably not pretty great. good at money. They're not great either. But you do gamble a lot, and that is not a game that compounds over time. You know what I did? This is a great way to intersect this with the Raptors again. You bet the Raptors to cover 11 versus the Timberwolves? No, I bet the Timberwolves to cover in that game. Oof. Because here was my thought process. No Serge Ibaka. No Marcus Gasol. Who are the Raptors going to start at center against Carl Anthony Towns? What I didn't account for was Carl Anthony Towns only taking four shots inside the three-point line through the first three quarters of a basketball game against Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Chris Boucher. I was like, oh, this is surprising. Or even when he gets guys to buy on fakes and thinking, oh, now he's going to drive to the basket. Oh, no, he's settling for another jump shot. Carl Anthony Towns, everyone, a guy who a week ago complained about not being an all-star. So those meaningless threes at the end of the game, those hurt you? I can't imagine... Thinking Carl Anthony Towns is an all-star, watching him play. I tweeted this out, but imagine being a Timberwolves fan who's old enough to remember how Kevin Garnett played and then watching Carl Anthony Towns with all the talent in the world. 2018 Carl Anthony Towns was voted anonymously by general managers across the NBA 
as the number one player they would start a franchise with. Would you trade Pascal Siakam for Carl Anthony Towns? No. No! Carl Anthony Towns in year one of a max contract, and the Timberwolves are like, we better trade for his best friend or else he's going to want to leave and he's going to quit on us. I don't know what to say about Carl Anthony Towns. I don't have much positive to say, so maybe we should just move on and talk Raptors. Do you have positive Carl Anthony Towns thoughts? So, I mean, I thought, listen, very interesting player, good handle, can, can shoot the three. Yeah. This is where the game is going. I was in on him. I had him as an all-star. Didn't think the trade was great from a fit standpoint because you're going to have to surround Russell and Towns with three-plus defenders, and you just got rid of one in Covington. But when I saw the footage, this is what sealed it for me. It had nothing to do with on the court. When I saw the footage of D'Angelo Russell walking off of the PJ, the private jet, in Minnesota. He was the only guy excited to walk off a private jet in Minnesota in the middle of February. And he's got a camcorder filming it. And Towns is there to greet him with the zero jersey and they're having a moment. I'm like, I'm out on this guy. Like, you, you don't get it. You, that's not Kevin Durant coming off the PJ. This is not Harden saying, Russell Westbrook, your game is flawed, but you're an MVP and you get a triple-double for fun coming off the PJ. It's D'Angelo Russell. Like, you made up this is their championship. a big stink to get D'Angelo Russell. And now this is your team moving forward. I'm out. Like, he just wants to hang with his friend and has no idea what it takes to become a winning basketball franchise. I just, I can't tell if he just has no idea how to play defense or if he doesn't care at all about playing defense. I think it's some combination of the two, but I've never seen a guy with his size and athleticism where Kyle Lowry goes inside and puts a body on him. And it's like, that's a bucket and that's a bucket. And the Raptors are getting inside. Like I couldn't, if you looked at the points in the paint from that game and thought, okay, well, clearly the Timberwolves are going to destroy the Raptors in this area. And it's like little Fred Van Vliet and little Kyle Lowry. They're just like going in there like, no problem. Rondé Hollis Jefferson's like, yeah, I'll get 20. Every Raptor starter had double digits in points except for one, right? The point you're making, I think, is an important one because if you look at Carl Anthony Towns and Jarrett Culver and D'Angelo Russell and you rewound to when they were sophomores or juniors in high school Mm -hmm. and how they were rated – based off of the rest of the basketball world, they were at the top. But I would take virtually six, seven Raptors on my team if I'm looking to build a championship team ahead of them, guys who were not rated that high at the time, guys who continued to not be rated. Many of them were undrafted. Basketball, it's different in football in a way that, like, I can't just go to a combine and be like, yeah, Vernon Davis... Not very good at Maryland, but we'll figure out a way to make him good. Like, we'll just figure it Click out. Click clack. Yes, that's right. You must protect this house. Basketball is about fit, about grit, about ingenuity, about working on your skills, making them better, about understanding and reading the game, about being a willing teammate. And I don't want to solely blame them because I feel like everyone who's been a Timberwolf has that's been a, a mess. It's so much so that Jimmy Butler like ran away screaming, like, get me out of here as soon <laughs> as possible. Like, we don't want you anymore. Jimmy's like, that's fine. I'll, I'll be happy to leave. Well, Dr- uh, Draymond Green. everybody's ass with the practice squad. Yeah. Draymond Green said this about Marquise Chris, who the, the Warriors have rehabilitated, who they rehabilitated, cut for cap reasons. Mm-hmm. The rest of the league didn't sign him. And now they brought him back. And people are like, oh, my goodness, when he's a free agent, he's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Well, he was a free agent like 15 days ago. Mm-hmm. Draymond Green said, we always blame these players for not reaching their potential. Why don't we start blaming the franchises? And he's 100% correct. 
it's not a coincidence that the Timberwolves and the Suns, the Knicks, sadly, we're having the same conversation about players for the same franchises. So maybe we should take a look at those basketball operations groups. On the flip side, it's not a coincidence that anyone who walks through the doors on Bay Street and goes into the Scotiabank Arena all of a sudden plays the best basketball of their life. I was at the game on Monday night, Timberwolves and Raptors, and that was the thing that jumped out to me is that from a program standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a culture standpoint, the franchises are in totally opposite directions. Yeah, they're almost polar opposites. If you just look at in terms of like geographical challenges, they basically both share the same thing, right? Well, they tried to copy the We the North. I know. They, what did they call theirs? All Eyes on North or something, something like that? Like it was that. something lame. It We're was really, farther yeah, north. Yeah. It's like, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that was their play. They're like, it's actually colder here. I was like, way to point that out, losers. That's so terrible. Yeah, you're right. This is really such an exercise in how much culture matters and how much player development matters and identifying the right kind of players because I've been thinking about this a lot lately, right? The idea of like what separates the Raptors from the have-nots of the NBA because let's be honest, this streak has been a lot of the Raptors rolling over the have-nots of the league and night in, night out, you get to see the Raptors face some organizations that have not had good culture over the years that have been kind of stuck in mud and repeating a lot of the same problems and the Timberwolves, like what better franchise to point out than them? I would say that there's the Hornets, there's the Kings, There's the Timberwolves. Like, it's a pretty short list of teams that are, it's the Atlanta Hawks, where you just look at them and say, man, you've been treading water doing this exact same thing for so long. Hawks, I think, are actually moving a little bit in the right direction, but even still, what separates you from these organizations when you have some challenges when it comes to free agency and when you haven't picked at the top of the draft? And I think organizational structure is massively important, right? Like, having someone with vision, like Masai Ujiri, who understands way ahead of the game that, if the Raptors can get a G League franchise and it's going to be in the city, that they're going to be able to shuttle guys back and forth and let prospects play meaningful minutes under a franchise or under a structure that's similar to what their NBA is asking of them. And then making sure that they're aware of those players and in contact with those players and then rewarding those guys when they're ready, when they've earned the stripes to basically come to the Raptors, that they'll shuttle you up, they'll give you some minutes, they'll make sure that you are going from one system to the same system, all in the same city, no questions asked. It's about identifying the right coaches, getting a guy like Dwayne Casey at the right time, and then moving on to a guy like Nick Nurse at the right time. But it also matters so much in basketball, who is the pillar of your franchise as a player. And this is where I've just felt so grateful to have a guy like Kyle Lowry. So much of this is possible because Kyle Lowry holds himself to a certain standard and he's been the best player on the team for so long. And then they get Kawhi Leonard who like fits with that perfectly, right? Like a quiet guy who just works hard, lets his game do the talking, Lowry has been the perfect leader of a good cultural franchise, which is funny because early in his career, he wasn't that guy. He was viewed as like a bad teammate and as a a bit of a locker room cancer. But now he's a winner and he's someone who tries hard every single game. Like when does Lowry have a night where you look at him and say, oh, Lowry just like not really giving you something tonight. Like his whole legacy as a player is that he's this complete guy that even when he's missing, finds other ways to impact the game. And I just think it's hard for young players to come in now. Sure, and that's he, what I'm saying. He, he did leave a playoff game to decompress. I mean, that, let's not act like that didn't happen. I think that this version of Kyle Lowry has been incredibly important for establishing the Raptors culture and the player culture that they bring in. The other has been player development and getting the right kind of guys where they've looked at guys who've been either overlooked in the draft or completely in the Fred Van Vliet's and Terrence Davis's the world, and they've stoked their fires perfectly by being like, you're up here in the north in Toronto and nobody cares about you and everybody slept on you and prove them. 
Like everybody's slogan on the team is like, prove them, make them believe. Like everybody has been overlooked on this team. They've just done a great job of finding the right collection of players to go under the right kind of a leader and the right kind of an organization. And it's why, unlike the Timberwolves, the Raptors seem to maximize the output of just about every guy that they get. Like who's the miss? Stanley Johnson? He's the one guy who hasn't outperformed what you thought you were getting from him this season. What Raptor hasn't? Chris Boucher, outperforming. Terrence Davis, outperforming. Norm Powell, outperforming. Fred Van Vliet, outperforming. Just go on down the line. O'Shea Brissett has had moments this season, for God's sakes. Like, every single guy that they've identified who they asked to play minutes for them seems to outperform. And I just think that that's so much of that is culture and so much of that is talent identification. And when you have that culture, you have to guard it with with your life. And it does come from your leader. And Lowry is a great example. And he can be a little bit prickly. And sure. some people in the media don't have the best relationship with him at times. And when he got here, he did have a chip on his shoulder. And I think that chip is probably, you know, his strength and his weakness. But his teammates love him. Mm-hmm. There's no way that most of them who are separated from him by like close to a decade in age. So it's not like they have a lot of personal things in common. There's no way that 82 nights a year, you're going to have 12 dudes lying on the ground doing crunches and, and friggin' leg extensions for the guy just because it makes him laugh and it's funny. They love him, love him, love him. And that's what I rate. Who cares if I like Kyle Lowry or what his relationship is like with Masai at any given time? The dudes he has to go to war with love him and will risk it all for him. And when you have that culture and you're building it slowly – Brooklyn was a great example of this. They're building it. They got a great coach in Atkinson. Sean Marks making all of these shrewd moves because they were so screwed after Billy King. And then it's like, oh, this carrot is here. We've got this great culture. We we actually even changed D'Angelo Russell. Like we made him a borderline all-star. We did that. Oh, there's Kyrie. And that talent is right there. And it's so shiny. He's going to come with his friend Katie. And yeah, we're going to have to take DeAndre Jordan. But whatever. Talent rules all. And then now they're vastly underwhelming again. And the game for me that stands out in the streak was that game against Brooklyn because really and truly when you look at the rosters, whether they're getting out of Levert, whether they're getting out of Dinwiddie, whether they're getting out of Allen, Brooklyn should be like the Raptors in flirting between sixth and second. When KD comes back, they're a championship contender, but they're not. And against Brooklyn in that win, the Raptors had five undrafted players who scored 75 points combined, 62% of their points that game. And in this streak, they've got six players who've gone for 30-plus. Depth is crazy, and it's because they have a culture that said, yeah, okay, Terrence Davis, you're going to have a game where you go for 30 and a game where you go for four, but your defensive energy doesn't change. OG, you're going to have a game where you go 25 and 12, and you have another game where you're going to play 15 minutes, but your attention to detail doesn't change. Your willingness to jump off the bench and lift up teammates and, and cheer doesn't change. And that comes from Kyle because Kyle could go 10 minutes of game time without taking a shot, but he also could take four shots in a row that are the biggest shots in the game. And as much as people want to say, oh, they're beating up against bad teams, they're paper champions. When you lose Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, many people Mm -hmm. thought this was going to be a bad team. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not taking away demerit points because they're beating up on the weak sisters of the East, because this franchise was one of the weak sisters for the East for a long time, and it's because they've done things the right way at every level, starting with Lowry, why they are flexing on a bunch of teams, no matter the fact that they're ravaged with injuries. I love that six players with over 30 in the streak, six different guys. Mm -hmm. I 
also have some numbers to share about the streak because as it stands today, the Raptors have won 15 in a row. And I don't care who you play, 15 in a row is incredibly impressive. And you know what? They have sprinkled in wins there against the Sixers, two against the Pacers, one against the Nets. Like those are playoff teams. They have been able to get that done. The last Raptors loss was on January 12th. January 12th. (laughs) It was a one-point loss to the Spurs. In their last two losses, the Raptors have lost by a combined guess how many? I just told you one, but two, three. They lost by three combined points in the last two losses. Like it's been a pretty damn good team. These are the games missed over the 15 game winning streak. Seven, they've missed Gasol. Five, they've missed Norm. Five, they've missed Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Two have been without Fred Van Vliet. Now one has been without Ibaka and one has been without Lowry. And again, the Lowry game he left early as well. Over the last 15 games, the Raptors are first in field goal percentage. They're shooting 50.5% as a team. They're first in effective field goal percentage, first in true shooting percentage, first in three-point percentage. They're 40.6 as a team. They're third in assists per game. They're fifth in assist-to-turnover ratio. They're third in assist ratio. They're first in steals per game defensively, and they're sixth in defensive rating, second in net rating. It's been good. Did you say points off turnovers? I didn't say points off turnovers. Because they're first in that. They're first in that. Best records in the league since January 15, Raptors... Obviously, this is the frustrating part, though. Milwaukee ten and one, pretty yeah. good. Clippers nine and three. Denver eleven and four. Boston ten and four. The only team with a longer win streak this year than the Raptors would be Milwaukee at eighteen. They haven't really gained all that much on Milwaukee in this span because Milwaukee has been so good. good. But for people to say, "Well, they're beating up on weak teams," the schedule has been weak. Yeah, no, that's true. It's no question. Schedule has been weak. But the reason why the schedule has been so weak with just over 30 games left after you know the All-Star break, is because to start the year, their schedule was so hard. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to penalize them because they're beating up against a lot of weak teams because That's what good teams it, it, all, it all balances out. They're, they're going to play 82 against the entire league. And when you tell me that so far this season, we are not even at the All-Star break, and Gasol has missed 19 games, Powell 16, Lowry 12, Siakam 11, Abaka 11, Van Vliet 10, those are their best players, mm-hmm. and they've missed the most games. Matt Thomas, I feel like, is scratching the surface on what he could be oh, I for you were this season. Going to say his man games lost, I was like, that's a, now we're stretching it. But anyway, sorry. but my point is that he's he also missed a lot of time, sure. and so I, I feel like the train was already on the tracks, and he never really got to make an imprint on what he could be in the rotation. Now we're starting to see him get some minutes. Love the way he's hunting shots and really running so hard coming off of pin downs and screen so much so that I'm like, dude, like slow down. You're running so fast. You're not even able to catch a ball and shoot. Well, he has to, because if he gives a guy a sliver, then they're going to block his shot into oblivion. It's going to look like one of those videos, like uh, Dwight Howard playing that little kid the other day. Yeah. Where it's like cookies, block shot. <laughs> it's like, he can't create on his own. He needs to do that. But even he's not just settling for threes, taking a couple, you know, gather dribbles and stepping in for two and taking shots. Speaking of out of control, I don't know if he's just too far down the pecking order that there's no scouting report on him yet. But Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, 85% of the time, goes to the rim so quickly and so hard. I'm watching him like, why don't you just move out of the way? Like, he's not going to be able to finish that shot. He's getting bailed out, and if he's not dunking, he's getting fouled. But I love his aggression, but he plays basketball like he's a crash test dummy. He likes using his strength to crash into opponents and then kind of power through them. Like that's yeah. you're right, but half the time he's underneath the rim. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like the <laughs> angle with which you're gonna have to finish this is is out of this world. He loves to finish and then yell. That's <laughs> I I love watching Ronde Hellas Jefferson. Like it's been I couldn't help but think about that too. Same thing in the Carl Anthony Towns thing is like 
The Raptors have a guy playing at center who's six foot six tonight, and he's making two and a half million dollars, and he's outperforming Carl Anthony Towns on a max deal who's seven feet tall. That's a tough one if you're a Timberwolves fan. And you just touched on something there with the depth is, and this is also why structure just seems to matter so much. It's something that I think we discussed last year when it comes to the Kawhi Leonard thing, and what is so important is having not only organizational structure but like roles and identity. And the Raptors players understand their roles. They understand their strengths well. How many guys frustrate you with doing things that are not really in the pocket of their game on this Raptors team? Like how many guys just kind of feel like they're freewheeling it every given night? Like there's like little moments of frustration. Remember how it used to be with Serge when he first came here? Where it was like, Serge, what are you doing? Like that's not your game. Like every once in a while, every couple of moments, he'd be doing those things. Over this stretch, that doesn't feel like Serge. He's got his feet set. He's wide open. He's going to shoot a three. Make he's got good passes too. Exactly. He's passing gonna, his art. What is, who's the Raptors player that you get like frustrated with on a regular basis? For me, it's like none. I don't have a Raptors guy. Like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, when he is wide open sometimes and he gets baited into a three. I mean, I don't want to be the party pooper. No, say it. Macaw. Oh, and it's not even about okay, him. Sorry, but it's like, just like, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm we like, got to pick the Raptors like, ninth why, man. But it's more like, why is he playing yeah. so much? Like, what is it about him that Nick Nurse loves that I don't see? Here's the and thing. And he did hit a dagger three last night against the Timberwolves on, on Monday night. He's long and, and he defends, but I'm just like, yeah. Could we not just give OG Norm when healthy mm-hmm. and Terrence Davis all two more minutes each, and we'd all be better off? I think you'll see that. But where I'm at with trusting Nick Nurse is I trust Nick Nurse so much now that I almost expect now that there's going to be one game where Patrick McCaw just basically turns into Damian Lillard, and I'm like, oh yeah, of course you knew all along. Like he just knew. He's like. Ah, finally, we got this out of him. He's scoring 40 a night. Like, I've always been waiting for this. Pat McCall is this type of player. So the streak has been incredible. It's been extremely fun. I think that the Raptors' depth players are so much better because they, again, have those roles. They understand what is being asked of them. They don't really play out of pocket. They do what is asked of them. They fit the culture of this team. And you see it again in these games against bad teams like the Bulls and the Timberwolves and the Pistons where their bench unit comes in. And even with the Raptors missing three players – the Raptors' next three guys down the bench are still better and better fits with this team than bad teams. It's why they've been able to win these games and stay afloat with their bench units in. I have a question, though, that's less fun about this, which is simply this. I mentioned how hot they are shooting the ball, and I mentioned the schedule. They're still, over the stretch, 28th in defensive rebounding percentage. They're only 19 in free throw attempts, and they've got the fourth worst opponent field goal percentage. They also, when I talked about net rating, how they're second in net rating, it's because the Milwaukee Bucks are still first in net rating. They've been tremendously great over the span. Like you look at Milwaukee basically across the board, like their defensive rating over the stretch has been better than the Raptors has been better all season, even though the Raptors calling card is defense. Their offensive rating has been better than the Raptors and the Raptors have been shooting the lights out from deep. Is there a possibility to you that this streak of games where Raptors fans are kind of shooting their shots at the Jason McIntyre's of the world where they get to kind of rip everybody. Like I, I couldn't help but remember for myself, I listened to the Book of Basketball podcast with Bill Simmons, Rosillo, and Chris Ryan, and they did the Kawhi shot Book of Basketball. And the whole time they just talked about the Sixers and they were like, the Sixers blew it and they have a Sixers guy and whatever. But they ended up by mocking the Raptors for saying that they're going to call themselves the defending champs and that that's a lame thing that they're going to do. Rosillo said that he would feel bad for the Raptors if they did that that they would still be the defending champ and the champs go through them. And then they talked about how the Raptors at this point of the year would be selling off assets. And I just, that's been in my head. Raptors fans get to kind of gloat right now. They're on top of the world. 
do you think that this is going to be the pinnacle of the season, this winning streak? Like, this is what we will remember about the 2019-2020 Raptors. Well, to address the Milwaukee part of your question, Milwaukee's playing at a historic pace. Like, yes. They may end up with the best net rating of all time. So, sure, they're not Milwaukee. They're not beating teams worse than the 72-win Bulls or the 73-win Warriors. Just for people to keep it in perspective, on the season, the Raptors' net rating is 6.5 points per 100 possessions better than their opponents. The Bucks are 12. They're almost double the Raptors who are on a 15-game winning streak right now. They're crushing teams. They haven't had really any of their big players out for an extended period of time. So we'll see if they can maintain that. But yeah, they're crushing. In terms of is this the best, will this be the best part of the season? Because this is really fun. And I don't mean to be diminishing their chances of winning in the playoffs. I just think like night in, night out, I'm watching them kick ass. I don't think it'll be the best because I don't, I honestly feel like this streak is being underplayed in our own country like really? right now yes they've won 15 consecutive games i just talked about them for two game. hours on my radio show well i mean that but that's your show yeah i'm just saying if my whole twitter feed is just raptor stuff if the edmonton oilers won 15 straight is it a bigger story i don't think it is here because toronto is the hub of media let's like it's bigger in edmonton connor mcdavid is on the team so what his injury or non-injury is a massive story today. It's a, it's a leading story I, I today. I want to say something, but if I say it, I'll get in trouble from Sportsnet. Okay. But I'm like... The words of J.D. Bunkus. Or JD Sorry, Bunkus cut that JD part Bunkus out. Alone. <laughs> and don't reflect <laughs> me, myself, or I, out. or anyone I don't who works get fired, for the Free Association like, Podcast. Are we serious here? Like, how many people live in Edmonton? I think if a Canadian individual athlete won 15 straight mm-hmm. matches or races if bianca won 15 straight or if degrasse won 15 straight he's just killing the do you the, think degrasse winning 15 straight races would do bigger headlines than what the raptors are getting right now get out of here yes i do no actually. sir this yes. is preposterous the, the, i don't you had that, me at maybe if the toronto maple Leafs were doing it would be bigger that's it that's the end of the list well 15 straight races would be like a summer undefeated. And you'd be the only person who would tell me about it because I would. no, no one else would know. No. Andre DeGrasse probably has won 15 straight races. He, he Who's hasn't. monitoring him? He, he hasn't. <laughs> Where are his races? He, they're all over the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Including not this here. Well, but he, we sent a camera guy to one of 10 of the last Andre DeGrasse races. No. Point is, Brooke Henderson won 15 straight rounds of golf. No, we would not care nearly as much as... And the, I don't, I, but the point is, rounds I don't, it's golf. all relative to what the normal coverage is. And I don't think, whether it's coverage or people being excited, I, I just don't think that the uptick has been that much higher considering the level of play has been that much higher. I don't agree. I think it's been a pretty big-ass story. And I think that like part of it has been that they've been swallowing up some bad teams. So it it's like bigger, a Sunday afternoon big, game. Bigger story than when the Jays made trades at the deadline and caught fire. No, but that's because those were, that was a bigger deal than the Raptors winning 15 straight against bad opponents. Like, I don't, don't make me crap on the Raptors thing, but Blue Jays were 
trying to make the playoffs for the first time in 20 years, and they went out and got Troy Tulowitzki and David Price. Like, yeah, it's fair that those got amplified a little bit more. The Raptors are doing this with people who were not drafted into the league. Yeah, but like, they're also beating guys on the Chicago Bulls who are not drafted in the league. I went and watched Terrence Davis. I went live. I took my mom down to the Raptors game. I'm pretty sure I sat in front of Fred Van Vliet's brother. Like, he had all the Fred Van Vliet gear, and he looked like Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, so, like, you said that last week. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Oh, did I? Did yes. we already do this? Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, I'm just saying the Raptors were playing guys on the Bulls where I'm like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? And that guy, sir, there was a guy named Hutchinson. I'm like, he's a starter. I'm like, all right, Hutchinson. I'm just saying that regular season basketball, like teams do this. You mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks have won 18 in a row. If the Raptors were getting up, I'm just saying, if they were getting up to like the 27 range where it was like the Miami Heat and the Houston Rockets where you're talking about the second longest winning streaks of all time, I think that they would be getting the magnitude of a trade deadline of the Blue Jays. I think that they would be getting like... This is the biggest story in North American sports right now. It's just that it's not a not an amazing but accomplishment. It should it's be the biggest fun. story in Canadian sports. Right but now. it is. I don't it's think it's the is. longest winning streak in Canadian sports history by I know a professional that. team. I know that. I don't think the level of excitement, whether it's media or fans, I think has garnered the amount of tension that the feet. What are you and basing this play? off of, though? My opinion. I don't know. No, the I know. Fact but like, you're poo pooing it right now. To me, it's like it's leading our sports highlight shows. It's the front page of whenever they play, it's being pushed and advertised. Like we're doing a podcast talking about the streak. We do a podcast. We're doing a radio show talking about whatever the streak. they do. It's a basketball podcast. Yeah. Like we were going to do that regardless. <laughs> it's not like we're doing more podcasts because yeah. of it. But again, your boy McDavid's injury, non injury. Why is he my boy? He's not mine. I mean, he's not mine either. Okay. I don't care about McDavid. Edmonton's boy. Yeah. That's going to be a bigger story over the next 48 hours than the Raptors potentially winning 16 Mc- straight McDavid literally also. ruined my actual boy, Morgan Riley's career, when he snapped his ankles into a million pieces and left a highlight that's going to be there for the ages. Correct. And if Morgan Riley was about to suit up for his first game in a yeah. while, it would be a bigger story. I don't know. I just, I don't understand what we're basing it on. We're allowed to agree to disagree. Oh, totally. I just, like, to me, it seems like it's a pretty big story. I'm just, I'm super excited about it. I'm texting with friends and family about it. I'm seeing my entire Twitter feed, like, dominated by watching Raptors games. People seem to be celebrating, like, honestly, that's why I asked if it's the high point of the season is because this has been so fun and it feels so big. And, like, when people crap on you and people doubt you and you get to exceed expectations, people like to take a victory lap. And there were a lot of people that thought the Raptors were going to be sellers at the trade deadline. Hell, man, I thought it was at least in the cards. This season has wildly exceeded my expectations, and I think I was optimistic about them, thinking that they were going to be a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. I thought they were going to be a four, maybe a five or a three. Like, I thought that was kind of their range. They're a two, and look how good the Celtics have been recently. Like, the Celtics are 37 and 15, and the Raptors have, like, the Raptors have three more wins. Like, it's crazy what they've done. So people are having a blast right now. They're rubbing it in the faces of, like I just said, Rosillo and Simmons and Chris Ryan and Jason McIntyre and Dennis Scott and all the people who doubted them. This is a really, really fun time. People are having a blast. I don't see anyone who's kind of like looking at this and being a negative Nancy about it. Like, it's just like, it's been awesome. Like, it's been great. I agree that it should be. And Terrence Davis. The height. Okay, get to that. I think the playoffs will be the height. I, again, I think that it hasn't been as hype as I think it should be. But where do they got to get, though? Do you think if they win in the second round, it'll feel as good as it feels right now? Because the first round, if they finish in second place and they beat the Nets, I don't think it's going to feel as much of an accomplishment as this, this is winning streak. No, no, no one's going to care. Similar to the same way they didn't care. Like, I care about this Orlando. winning streak. I'm, like, got a lot of emotional equity in them beating the Nets and continue it into the All-Star break and having it be a story throughout All-Star weekend. 
in the second round, they'll play a real team. Yep. Philadelphia, Indiana, Boston, Miami. You talk about people flexing and saying how good they are and rubbing it in the face of the so-called detractors. And there were legit detractors. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. True. And Rightfully I, so. They I lost said, Kawhi and Danny Green. Correct. I said, I think they're going to finish third or fourth. I think they're going to end up being sellers at the deadline. Mm-hmm. But I think even if they sell, they've got enough depth, they're going to be pretty good. People are coming at me like, you didn't believe? I'm like, well, they're second. I thought they might be third. Like, that's not a great stretch. But you know what? End up, I did not believe Guilty this was as happening. charged. Yeah. I didn't think that the dude from Europe, Mm-mm. Matt Thomas, or the dude from Indiana, Terrence Davis, who wasn't drafted. I, no, I didn't think they were going to be huge rotation players. Sorry. I didn't think the guy on a minimum deal, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, was going to be like a six-man-of-the-year candidate. My bad. You know who also didn't think of that? The rest of the NBA. Because if that was the case, they would have been not in Europe at the time or drafted in the draft. The Raptors would have drafted Terrence Davis if they knew he was this good. So, yeah, my bad. I didn't know that Terrence Davis was going to be this good. I didn't know that Kawhi w- w- was going to leave and Pascal Siakam was going to be like, I'm just going to do a Kawhi Leonard impersonation so you don't notice the difference. Yeah, well, m- yeah, my bad. If you would have shown people, too, especially the games lost to injury and the names of the players that they lost to injury – and you slid that on a piece of paper, like you, you got to cheat the system. You got in a time machine, and you said, I want to go bet the Raptors' season total before the season starts. And I slid you that paper, and it said, hey, man, these are the guys who are going to miss these amounts of games. The Raptors' win total is, I think it was like, what, 48? Or I think it was 48 and a half before the season started. You would have hammered that under. We would have been talking. Hammered the under. Yeah. I would have said, yeah. we're tanking. Yeah. Yeah. Weak you for have, Whiteside. You would have called your wife Anguish and been for like, Anthony. Hey, how Losing much can we for get Lamello. for the house? Like, I would have thought they were tanking. They're going to have a top three 100%. pick. And they're going to have a top three pick. 100%. And they're going to get Giannis. And that's going to no. be the reset. There's no way I would think that they would be setting records mm-hmm. in terms of games won in the country. I think that I, two things can be true. I thought... It was really insane that there were people like the Dennis Scott thing where he picked the Raptors not to make the playoffs and like teams like the Hawks and Pistons. I'm like, what is this based off of? Like infrastructure does matter. I didn't see a scenario where the Raptors fell out of the playoffs this year. But no, I did not see a scenario where like all those things just happened where you outlined. And you know what? That's a good place to get into Terrence Davis because I want to talk about this. There have been a couple things that really impressed me over this run that I've just been giddy. I told you on the last podcast that I love this team. I'm really invested in this team. I'm shockingly invested in this team. Serge Ibaka, we already knew about in terms of when he jumps in as a starter. Now he's a walking 18 and 10. Like that's almost become something I take for granted at this point where they ask him to play major minutes and he takes care of it. He's awesome. He just, he can still play at that level. He definitely has earned a contract extension here. I hope the Raptors do it. I would almost be willing to say at this point that, you know, you and I talk about this from time to time, the story of the season, right? Like what has been the Raptor story of the season? I still think it's, Siakam and his continued growth from going to most improved player to starter on the all-star team. Like I just, I think that's where it's at right now. The addition of his three point shot above the arc, the confidence that he plays with, there's still some growing pains for him to become like a legitimate superstar in the NBA. Him in the playoffs is going to be really interesting. Lowry's longevity, Fred Van Vliet's continued confidence run uh, as a player playing off, building off the playoffs and going for a run. Norm Powell, for God's sakes, like establishing himself as like a legitimate potential 18 point score a night playing with real efficiency, but everyone loves a rookie. Everyone loves a new thing and everyone loves something with potential. 
And the Raptors only had a second round pick this year. Was it the second last pick of the draft that went to Juan Hernandez? I think it was 59th. But they take to Juan Hernandez, who didn't even play college basketball last year, and who was like an ultimate flyer project that no one really thought was going to play. And they end up with Terrence Davis, and they go grab him after he tears it up in Summer League, and they add him to the roster. And you think, okay, this is cool. He's going to be a guy who plays in the G League, and maybe because they don't have a lot of point guard depth, they're going to give this guy maybe a bit of a run. He could end up being the third shooting guard behind Matt Thomas, the third point guard behind Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. Over his last 10 games, he's playing 20 minutes a night. He's 55% from the floor. He's averaging 12 points a game with a steal. He's shooting. Do you want to guess from three? Like, what does it feel like to you that Terrence Davis is shooting from three? It feels like he's shooting like 60%. Yeah, he's shooting 53% from three. Like, he just seems like can't miss. If you had to pick... Raptors players to knock down a three off the dribble. Kyle Lowry one and Terrence Davis two. I'd put Norm in there. Norm, Fred, like, yeah, but he's in the conversation with these guys already where it's like he's one of their best off the dribble scorers. I would say that in terms of like the most shocking developments of the season, the Raptors turning another undrafted guy into a not just player, like a regular guy that you now need to give rotation minutes to who came from like a nondescript school and a nondescript program and who was like a former football player who's like actually pissed off that he got left off the Rising Stars Challenge game and that actually rightfully so because Charlotte sent three players for some reason. It's like their Super Bowl. Michael Jordan's like, I did it. Like I got three players in Rising Stars. They all average 12 points a game and shoot under 50%, but who cares? We've won 12 games. I love this. And this has been the real story of this streak is that Terrence Davis has gone from a guy who has been really fun in small bunches to a guy that you actually can lean on and trust and, and kind of need to give minutes to even when this team is healthy. Yeah, last week he went off for 31 points, still playing good defense, yeah. still taking good Fouls shots. Fouls a little bit too much. Being efficient with his shots is still a willing and able secondary ball handler when he's sharing the floor with Kyle and or Fred. He, I think, more than the record, more than anything else, impacted the way they viewed the trade deadline because if I'm that staff, I'm saying, well, I'm not going to ship out Marcus Gasol for two second round picks or a Baca for a protected first from a contending team three years from now. Mm-mm. But I don't, I don't need your garbage draft picks. I've proven to, I can go find players. Mm-hmm. Matt Thomas, Terrence Davis, Fred Van Vliet. I could go find players. I could develop players. And that is a currency that allows you to just be able to sit pat at the deadline and say, like, all right, Philly, go go give the Warriors a bunch of second-round picks for Alec Burks and Robinson III. Good luck. But we're That's not, a really good point. We're not making those types of deals because we don't, we don't have to. Yeah, I really like that point. I want to share some thoughts on the Wiggins and D'Lo trade just because I think you'd be kind of surprised where I'm at with it. Is there anyone that's currently on the buyout market that you would want the Raptors to go and get or you could see as a potential fit? That's remaining, not someone that was out there. Like, um, I think, obviously, Marvin Williams going to the Bucks that would have been a guy the Raptors would have absolutely loved to have had. I think we, first of all, overrate these things like in terms of the impact of these guys. Like They got bought out for a reason. If Tristan Thompson did become available, obviously he would be like one of their number one targets. I mentioned their rebounding struggles this season. But as it currently stands right now, is there a single name that's out there that you look at and say, I would actually be curious if X. Tyler Johnson would interest me. Not even not even because he would impact 
the team so much this year, but it gives you a little bit of security mm-hmm. given that Fred is uh, impending free agent because Kyle is is older, and I think he can be rehabbed into the player that we saw in Miami and not the player that we mm-hmm. saw in Phoenix. And again, I think that's more to do with Phoenix than anything else. Um, I, I think with um, basically the Chinese league almost shutting down because of the coronavirus, I think maybe some guys coming out of that league makes this buyout season a little bit more interesting. I don't even know who's over there. Who's having good seasons. Lance can make him dance. A little Lance Stevenson in your no, life. Pass. No, <laughs> no. Uh, maybe I'm a good. little Jeremy Lin reunion. No, I think the whole, he was league. so sad to leave. Welcome yeah, back. The Jeremy. league passed on me and they're like, still pass. Other than that, not, not really. I mean, the, the Lakers can't even find someone on the bio market that is really intriguing. Yeah. And they need backward help desperately. It actually hurts my feelings a little bit that the Lakers wouldn't give Isaiah Thomas a call. I just want to know why Isaiah Thomas, like, he's obviously got his defensive issues. Like, he's one of the worst defenders in the NBA. But, like, I don't know. I think Isaiah Thomas can still get you a bucket. He's one of the best three-point shooters from a certain place on the floor he, in the NBA. I mean, he can get you a bucket when he has the ball. Right. Fans. And in L.A., I guess. they're looking for a guard who can play off the ball because the ball is going to be in the hands of LeBron mm-hmm. James. So, so you're looking for a guard that can spot up, shoot threes, give you spacing, doesn't need the ball in their hands, and can defend, which is why Collison would have been a fit. Mm-hmm. Isaiah can't defend, and he needs the ball in his hands. So that's, I guess, LeBron is accumulating people that he's played against. And well, I was going to say, LeBron, it also didn't, already, it wor- didn't work already in Cleveland, so he probably is yeah. thinking, yeah, like it wasn't a good fit. Yeah. Um, I just I think that Isaiah Thomas is interesting, but it got me thinking about one other thing, which is like if I'm the Raptors, the guy that still makes the most sense to me is Jamal Crawford. Oh, I thought you were going to say Dion Waiters. No, oh God, no, I'm going to go on that. I just think Jamal Crawford last year scored 50 points. He's like one of the most popular guys in the NBA from like a positive locker room atmosphere guy. Like you don't have to worry about him whatsoever coming in and disrupting anything. He's been trying desperately to get back in the NBA, and I just think that. I know his playoff numbers are like he's historically one of the guys. Like I think that for a while, Lowry and DeRozan were only saved as the worst field goal percent guys because Jamal Crawford was ahead of them. But I just I would still rather bet my life on Jamal Crawford getting me a bucket over Isaiah Thomas. Sure, I, so I put him in the buyout depth chart above Isaiah Thomas. But if you're the Raptors and you bring in Jamal Crawford, it's insurance. Insurance for what? Like, are you giving him minutes that are currently going to? Terrence Davis Maybe. or Norm Powell? No, so that's because it. Those minutes are not just helping you now, they're helping you in the future. Terrence Davis has totally changed the outlook of this. I just think that if I I still want to add, if I was going to add Perfect World one thing about the Raptors, I would probably add another big to give them a little bit of depth behind Chris Boucher so that they had one other guy like, again, if Tristan Thompson was bought out, he'd be the perfect guy. I don't see how he wouldn't end up going to Boston because they'd play the crap out of him way more than Toronto would, but... If he wanted to, he would be perfect. But I still would love them to have one more guy down the bench who could create his own shot and get his own bucket in case they do have a stretch where one of Lowry, Van Vliet, or Norm Powell goes down in the playoffs and that it turns out Terrence Davis isn't quite ready for that moment. So we've got some new things for you this NBA season. 
And no, it's not just Terrence Davis playing so well. We have a newsletter that will break that down and so much more. Our weekly newsletter from NBA editor Stephen Leung. It gives you original content, opinion, analysis. You can't find it anywhere else. And it is delivered directly to you right in your inbox, sportsnet.ca slash newsletters. Just subscribe and we got you. D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins. It happens on the trade deadline. We didn't come in here. We didn't discuss it. Uh, let me just ask you, what, what were your initial thoughts on it? That the free Wiggins campaign has begun. Mm-hmm. Like the shackles are off. I think being in a locker room with Steph mm-hmm. Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green is like a godsend for him. And I don't think it's an accident that his locker is right beside Steph Curry's. Two guys who have some Toronto roots, two guys whose fathers were pros, two guys who, you know, have had to deal with some pressure um, in their early lives. And I think that that's a great role model for him. But it's also, it's great that if you are the Bay Area athletic beat reporter, Anthony Slater or Marcus Thompson, you know who the last guy after a tough loss you're going to for a quote? Sandra Wiggins. You want to Steph Curry or Klay Thompson or Draymond Green or whoever they pick in the top of the lottery next year. Wiggins doesn't have to deal with any of the stuff that he had to deal with in Minnesota. He doesn't have to be one of the faces and spokespersons for the franchise that has been terrible his entire time there. He can just hoop. He can just play basketball, which really and truly, if you've been around him, that's all he wants to do. So if Ron Adams can get some defense out of him and he's, he has the ability to do it, now you're just asking him to be a more athletic version of Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. Cut, shoot corner threes. I know his three-point percentage hasn't been great, but he's a 40% shooter from the corners, and those looks are going to be cleaner than they've ever been for him before. Cut off the ball, defend. More importantly, just run. When they get out, stops, run, because between Steph and Draymond, they'll find him in transition, and he's going to get six, eight points easy a night just outrunning other small forwards and and dunking on people's heads. So aside from the difference in housing prices between Minnesota and San Francisco, this is a a win for Andrew Wiggins. And no one is going to care about the contract because they dipped out of the luxury tax this year, so they're not going to be repeaters. And you know who else can afford it? Joe Lacob can afford it. He paid for an arena in cash, the Chase Center, as a lover of Seattle sports. You know how much that means when an owner is like, yeah, no, I don't need any public money. We got this. I'm paying for the arena. I mean, it's the only way that it should ever be, but yes. Um, but you, you, we know that it's not the only know, way that it is. I know. Milwaukee basically hijacked this, their city for a bunch of arena funding. Um, I'm with you. I, I would assume that Wiggins is smart enough to understand the opportunity in front of him and what has been basically delivered to him. First of all, the Warriors win the trade simply from this fact. Wiggins is a better fit stylistically with them. Steve Kerr said as much, and he, I don't think he was lying to make himself feel better. It's like they needed a wing player more than they needed another guard. There were always fit questions when it came to Russell playing with Clay and Steph Curry at the same time and not being a bench piece that you're giving a max contract to. Two is that the Warriors got that draft pick from a crappy Timberwolves organization that I think is only top three protected or top four protected. Yes, in next year's draft. Right. That's in the double cohort draft. It is. And... To give up a pick 
in that draft class when you're the Timberwolves and you're working with a roster that you just turned over completely in Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. I, I thought I had misread that when I was like, they got a first round pick and then I guess they swap. I was like, nope, they didn't get. I thought maybe they got the Warriors pick this year to, to do that. Or it was something weird like that. So take this in. They are going to have. Timberwolves are going to lose forever. Well, probably because this is their team now. They're stuck. But they're going to have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins as your fourth guy is, is fine. But wait. They're going to have a first overall pick in the top 10, top five. Well, well prob- probably top five. I know. It could be first. It could be first. But let's say conservatively <laughs> top five pick yeah. this year. And they're probably going to have a top five pick again next year. If they get the ball kid, would you trade him immediately? If you're Golden State, be like, we don't want anything to do with this. Who wants him? Would I trade ball immediately? Yeah. Like if they get the first overall pick, I think it's LaMelo ball. I was almost going to say LiAngelo, but LiAngelo was the one that stole stuff in China. And needed Trump to intervene. I think they would want Wiseman because he's the okay. only real big that's going to go right. early who basically also didn't play for Memphis. But there is a thought to whether it's Cole Anthony or Ball mm-hmm. having a really, really good point guard that is your Manu Ginobili that just comes off the bench and, and crushes people. But then you, it's not like you can't play him with Steph because mm-hmm. Steph plays so much off the ball anyways. In most Why lineups, they're gonna have a top Draymond ball? Green is their point guard. Right. So it's not like you can't play Steph with another point guard. If they had, if they had their choice, they would pick the only real interesting big man. Well, I shouldn't say the only. Dayton has a good big man too. But the only big man at that high level in the draft, which would be Wiseman from Memphis. I, I just love that Wiggins can finally shake his draft slot a little bit. Like you mentioned Harrison Barnes, and I know it's a, a lot of people are making that connection, but I think it's such a good one. Like, do you remember Black Falcon? Yeah. Like Harrison Barnes was a like high pedigree guy. I saw Harrison Barnes work out when he came to Toronto and I was watching him being like, oh my God, is that the best basketball player who ever lived? Like in a, just an open gym taking jump shots. I was like, this guy's amazing. Like you got to take Harrison Barnes. The that, Raptors missing out on that be, pick. That I was know. supposed to be his team. Oh, he I, was yeah. higher regarded than Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. Dude, the Raptors, if you remember, lost the coin toss for Harrison Barnes, essentially, where it was like the Warriors and Raptors have the same record. They have a coin toss. Raptors ended up with Terrence Ross and they could have had Harrison Barnes. And it felt like this moment in the franchise where it's like, what a horrible luck for the Raptors that they missed out on Harrison Barnes. Like, they could have had him. Goes to the Warriors. But ultimately, Harrison Barnes on the Warriors, I know that people have made a lot about them losing that series and if he hits a couple more shots. But he was really good. There's a reason why Dallas went and gave him all that money. It's because he looked good with the Warriors, even as that guy, and they wondered if they could do more. Andrew Wiggins truly has this moment this in front of him where it's just like, I really hope, I, I hope the best for Andrew. Like, I just want him to shake the weight of his draft, the weight of having to be the guy night in, night out, the weight of having to deal with the mood swings of Carl Anthony Towns and just being around losers in Minnesota all the time and just looking out and it's bleak outside and you're in Minnesota and you're like, ugh, trapped here forever, that he gets to go to the Bay Area. He gets to meet people who can expand his brand outside of basketball, that he can meet players like Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson who, if he asks them the right questions and if he plays hard enough, will help him build his game up to the point where what you need from Andrew Wiggins is... 12 to 15 a night and some good defense and to play some wings and to knock down a couple of open corner threes and maybe slash to the basket every once in a while. Like what a godsend for Wiggins. But I also think peer pressure is real. So after practice, it better be. Otherwise there's no more excuses. You would say that for Wiggins, right? I I do think if it doesn't work out in golden state, that, that hurts his rep. Yeah, it's over. It's over. But after practice, when Steph Curry has his court and he's getting shots up, 
for another hour. And Clay Thompson has his court, and he's getting shots up for another hour. And Draymond Green is blasting music and still working on his game, so much so that Steve Kerr can't even have a press conference. It's tough to just be like, all right, deuces, I'm going to go play with my two dogs. It's tough to be that guy who leaves. Yeah, he's got to be around those guys. I think that is a bit contagious. To me, the bigger one is that Wiggins has been a real notorious offender of taking a lot of bad shots, but they've needed him to take bad shots in Minnesota. It's like now he's playing with a bunch of guys next year where it's like you can't take those bad shots or you're going to sit on the pine. Like You have to move the ball. He's really going to have to learn how to evolve his game in a way that fits the Warriors, not the other way around. Well, I, I think the, the biggest leap he'll have to make, because I think the, def- the offense will come easy, is defensively. Yeah. And in terms of wing scorers, he's going to have the B assignment. Clay Thompson is going to take the best scorer on the team. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry is going to hide on someone in the corners. And Wiggins is going to take that other guy. He's going to guard the McCollums and not the Lillards. And so I think that's where his game can really take a leap. But I'm excited for him. Yeah, I am excited for him too. And I think we might – people were pretty split on who they like to trade for. Or some people felt like they like to trade for neither team. I think in this time next year, we're going to be looking at – the Timberwolves in a very deep West, still terrible. And the Warriors back in championship contention with the Clippers and with the Lakers and saying, man, like this is not even close. Dude, I don't, I don't know how people looked at that trade and thought that it wasn't a win for the Warriors just based on the draft pick because like Wiggins and D'Angelo Russell to me are very, very similar players with very similar value. And this is where like the Twitter generation is really bad in terms of educating some people on basketball games is like, we see the Dawkins clips of D'Angelo Russell's games, and we go like, man, this guy's a shooter. He's deloading. He's got a cool nickname. He's got a background. He's got the pedigree. I don't think that he and Andrew Wiggins are discernibly different players when it comes to individual value. Like, I just, I don't see it. I know Russell has won in Brooklyn where they've actually put together some wins, but I think that's because they had the perfect team right around him. Like, you've said it. I don't know if he and Towns are going to work out. I'm not putting my money down on him and Towns working out. Like, their numbers, efficiency-wise, you go across the board. Like, Wiggins and and D'Angelo Russell, you just go player A, player B. They look pretty similar. So, good job by the Warriors. It's a nice piece of business by a a well-run organization taking advantage of another poorly run one. So, that's just the way I see it. Yeah, this was fun today. It was. Uh, We got to get out of here. So, subscribe to this podcast. Share this podcast. Leave a review of this podcast. Do all of those things. We love you for it. We'll catch you next week. Guys, we go to New York, right? <laughs> you guys know it's very cold in New York. Yeah. So I got something for you guys, right? Okay. You got scarf, you know? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> this guy's Army. here! This guy's here! Oh! I'm going to wear that scarf. <laughs> <laughs>